Wonderful. Thank you everyone for joining us today. We will be uh, covering Canada Cannabis Advertising Compliance and a Ask Me Anything uh, session with Sagav LLP out of Canada, our wonderful partners from Canada who are an amazing legal team um, operating in Canada and, and, and helping our industry um, tremendously. Uh, with that, let's go ahead and move right along into our webinar today. Um, a quick introduction on myself. My name is Eduardo Silva. I am the VP of Sales here with Foot Traffic. I will be a host for today. And uh, a little bit about Foot Traffic. If you don't already know, we are the leaders in cannabis uh, dispensary and delivery uh, digital marketing, um, both in the United States and Canada. Um, we have, at any given point, um, uh, run digital marketing campaigns for 200 plus uh, dispensaries uh, throughout all of the states uh, in the United States as well as Canada. And we're really, really happy that you've taken the time to join us today. Um, for our presentation today, our partners, Sagav LLP, will be joining us here. And uh, I'm going to turn it over to the team uh, to introduce themselves. Um, and um, Alon, if you wouldn't mind, perhaps just give us a little bit of an introduction on um, yourself and your uh, firm out of Canada. Uh, yeah, thanks. Uh, thanks for that uh, quick intro. Uh, this is Alon Segev speaking. Uh, Segev LLP is based out of um, uh, Vancouver, British Columbia. Uh, we've got an office in the US as well and an office in Beijing, China. We are a full-service business law firm with uh, a specialty in cannabis law. Uh, cannabis law is fairly broad in the sense that we are more than just uh, specializing in how to comply with the regulations. We assist our clients with all manners uh, of their business. So anything from lease issues, employment issues, supply issues, uh, litigation, uh, and then uh, uh, more pointed, how to operate uh, your cannabis business uh, in a lawful manner uh, and uh, how to market and promote your business lawfully uh, in compliance with the Cannabis Act. And uh, we've got uh, experience assisting um, uh, clients in the cannabis industry uh, we're talking retailers, uh, licensed producers, cultivators, uh, marketing companies. Uh, so we've got a fairly in-depth uh, body of experience uh, in the industry, which allows us to uh, focus on, uh, uh, which allows us to really spot most of the issues that uh, you as uh, professionals in the industry will likely encounter. Um, I'll uh, turn this over to my colleague, Stefan Cruz. Uh, who uh, who works with me assisting these uh, assisting cannabis clients as well? Yeah, thanks, Alon. Uh, this is Stefan here. I am a lawyer with uh, Segev in Vancouver. Here, I don't have a whole lot to add. Uh, Alon gave a great summary of the firm, and and that pretty much captures my uh, practice as well. I'm a business lawyer in general, and a cannabis lawyer in specific. Um, I've done uh, a fair bit of cannabis uh, M&A, mergers and acquisitions, 
I do cannabis regulatory law and also advise on advertising issues. Wonderful, wonderful. Thank you both very, very much for taking the time out of your day to um, help us with this webinar and address some wonderful questions that our attendees have submitted prior to the webinar. Um, so everybody on the line uh, does uh, follow along. We will be covering um, uh, numerous questions that have already been pre-submitted. However, um, in order to become a little bit more familiar with the Zoom interface as well as our Q&A feature, please take a moment to just navigate to um, uh, uh, the top of your screen where you will see a Q&A button. Uh, we do have um, moderators for our webinar here today that will be helping uh, manage those questions as well throughout the webinar. So uh, despite having several questions already pre-submitted, which we will be covering here momentarily, uh, we will also like to hear from you who have, um, you know, gratefully uh, um, bestowed us with your time today to attend and perhaps have some live questions as well and or clarifications that you would like. Um, the webinar today will be approximately 50 minutes long, and um, we will be recording this webinar, which will be hosted on our website uh, after uh, it is complete here. So later today will be um, posted. Uh, feel free to share this with anybody else in the industry whom you feel could benefit from some of the legal advice here that you will be um, witnessing today. So with that being said, Alon and Stefan, thank you once again for uh, taking the time to join us today and to help our um, industry, if you will, with some of these questions that they have submitted. So let's get started with the, with the overlying question here uh, pertaining to the Canadian um, you know, legal um, cannabis industry itself and, and the regulations. So what are some of the regulations that dispensaries need to abide by in Canada, Alon and Stefan? Yeah, so um, the, the legislation that is most relevant to non-medical uh, cannabis is the Cannabis Act. It's a federal uh, piece of legislation that is applicable to uh, all provinces. And then uh, in addition to that, each province has its own provincial legislation governing the uh, retail sale of non-medical cannabis, which also includes uh, how to operate the stores, how to market, how to promote, including digital marketing as well. So that's sort of uh, the main piece of legislation. And in addition to that body of legislation, we've got other legislation that will definitely impact your uh, your ability and your methods of carrying on business. You've got the uh, Canada anti-spam legislation that deals with electronic communications. It's often known as CASEL. Uh, and then we've got the Criminal Code of Canada as well that um, deals with uh, unlawful um, use and sale of narcotics. And then uh, we've got privacy legislation, both provincial legislation, which differs from province to province, albeit they're often very similar in nature. And then you've got a federal uh, privacy legislation as well. Uh, it might not be apparent how this comes into play, but it does when you're collecting uh, customer data 
And often customer data is a very, very valuable uh, asset for any business, but there are regulations on how to uh, collect the data, how to store it and how to disseminate it. Wonderful. That is that is definitely um, great to know. Um, there are several. So if we were to summarize that, Alon, it sounds like there are um, a handful of uh, regulations that uh, our attendees here and the industry as a as a broad spectrum, if you will, have to pay attention to. Um, that is both um, and how they attain the customer information, how they communicate with the customer, as well as how they market to their customers, correct? Yeah, that's right. Um, absolutely. If you're uh, collecting personally identifiable information, uh, then you really do fall uh, under the leg legislation. Um, and there are, uh, there are, you know, quite a number of pitfalls that you need to be mindful of uh, to stick handle. Um, you know, Stefan mentioned that uh, we also deal with, uh, mergers and acquisitions in the space. People are buying and selling dispensaries. Up until uh, very recently, those were very lucrative. Um, the asset that was being sold were development permits and um, sort of the location of dispensary as well, but to a large extent, they were customer lists. Um, and you know, a dispensary with 40,000 names is extremely valuable. So how do you go about selling that information falls within the jurisdiction of those privacy legislations. Wonderful, wonderful. So to all of our attendees today and uh, to the attendees that will be watching this afterwards, pay close attention to your compliancy, right? When attaining customer information, because this can be of tremendous value to your overall equity of your business as you do, um, you know, work towards, if you will, a acquisition or a sale of your business. So moving right along here, what does the Cannabis Act say about digital marketing? Great question. Stefan, do you want to grab this one? Yeah, sure thing. Yeah. Um, the Cannabis Act doesn't really, uh, and Alon, feel free to jump in here, it doesn't really uh, discriminate between digital marketing and other forms of marketing. Um, so the Cannabis Act does have some things to say about marketing in general, but it doesn't really um, discriminate between different forms of marketing, uh, digital, you know, print media, um, other types of uh, advertising that you can imagine. Yeah, that's right. Um, you can advertise digitally as long as you're in compliance with the act. Exactly. Perfect. Perfect. All right, so to our next, next question here, what marketing is and isn't allowed under the Cannabis Act? Um, so, Stefan, I'll, I'll let you jump into this one as well. Sure. Uh, yeah, um, <laughs> that's a good question. It, that's a, a fairly broad question as well. And I, I don't wanna just read out the, the Cannabis Act um, for you. But, uh, <laughs> Basically, the Cannabis Act starts by um, listing things that are, are prohibited um, types of activities and then carves out some exceptions to those prohibitions. So um, uh, 
obviously you can't um, uh, uh, communicate uh, um, or advertise in a manner that's appealing to youth. So, um, you know, things like cartoons and, and uh, uh, things that appeal to youth are not allowed. Um, you can't uh, actually, uh, in general, uh, advertise the price or uh, information about distribution of cannabis. Um, you cannot use uh, testimonials or um, uh, uh, endorsements. Um, you cannot um, depict um, people or characters or animals, whether real or fiction, fictional. So no Tony the Tigers. Um, let's see. Uh, you cannot um, advertise cannabis in a ma manner that uh, appeals to a certain lifestyle. So things like um, Marlboro Man type, uh, you know, use this product and, and live this great uh, uh, glamorous lifestyle. Uh, so that being said, within those promotion uh, or sorry, those prohibitions, there are some um, types of uh, promotions that are lawful, and basically the categories of those uh, are, are fall under uh, three headings. Uh, you can provide information, factual information about your product, about your accessory that you're selling. Uh, you can provide a point of sale promotion where you um, advertise. Uh, your uh, the availability of a certain uh, product or a price and you can provide brand preference promotion where you um, highlight brand characteristics or elements um, of your your product or your service perfect yeah definitely a, a little bit more of a broad question right stefan mm -hmm. and so i think that some of the follow-up questions that we had here will definitely start getting a little bit more definitive okay. where we'll be able to answer a, a little bit more um in detail so let's keep it let's keep it moving this, this is this is great information so what what punishments and fines can the government impose if let's say a dispensary is not abiding abiding by some of these regulations yeah, good question. I can hit that one. Um, uh, under the Cannabis Act, there are some penalties that um, uh, that are explicitly um, set out. Um, they fall under two uh, uh, categories, and these are, are criminal penalties. Um, so in Canada, uh, uh, criminal offenses fall into two categories. The more serious ones are called indictable offenses. So for indictable offenses under the Cannabis Act, um, uh, the government can uh, lobby uh, fines of up to $5 million or imprisonment of up to three years or both. And for summary offenses, the less serious types, um, the government can levy, levy fines of up to $250,000 or uh, six months imprisonment or both. Hmm. Neither of which sound really fun, right? In the end of the day. <laughs> so we no, want to avoid no. that at all costs. <laughs> yeah. Great. And then I think you talked about this a little bit, uh, Stefan, in the earlier question there, but uh, maybe we can get into a little bit more of a description on this. Um, so what imagery is restricted for use online in Canada? Right, right. Uh, good question. Um, yeah, imagery. Uh, I, I suppose certainly you, you cannot um, depict uh, people, characters, or animals. Um, uh, and no imagery that uh, appeals to children. So, you know, I mean, that's hard to pin down sometimes uh, what, what is directed at children and what might just be found to be uh, appealing to children. But uh, those are two types of things that are specifically prohibited. Um, 
advertising yeah, so price. When you look uh, at, I guess, uh, when you ahead, look at some more of the traditional marketing techniques, I often uh, pull examples from, um, you know, you look at the Marlboro man, that would not be permissible under the, uh, under the Cannabis Act because it evokes a certain imagery of lifestyle uh, and health. Uh, so any uh, animal depictions uh, is, uh, are, not per are, not, um, are not permitted because they find that it's appealing to kids. Um, any imagery showing um, lifestyle, daring, adventure, um, it's fairly restrictive. Uh, if you look at the packaging of cannabis as well, um, the packaging of cannabis really speaks to it. They're always plain uh, packaging with no imagery other than the, uh, the, the marijuana leaf indicating that it's a cannabis product. And even then the packaging has restrictions as well. Like there's no windows on the packaging, so I can't see what's inside. Uh, it can't be shiny or metallic. So promoting uh, product with the use of imagery uh, is really similar. Um, so how do you get around that? I mean, there are ways around it. You're now sort of brand building. Uh, so if you look at some dispensaries in Canada, they've done quite a nice job doing that, whether it be Tokyo Smoke, you go into their stores and they evoke a certain, um, a certain lifestyle without really hitting on those points. Or you look at Hobo, uh, their stores are very distinct from other stores. Um, so they are selling cannabis, but they do through design speak to certain lifestyle elements while still being in compliance with the act. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I think what, what I take away from this, right, when in doubt, um, I would certainly encourage, um, you know, the audience here to engage SAGAV group and just, uh, you know, make sure that um, some of these broader definitions of imagery, right, are not stepping on landmines for you down the line. So that would be my encouragement for you there. Thank you guys for, for that answer. And let's, moving right along here, so are we allowed to show a logo that looks similar to a cannabis leaf in our online ads? It kind of, you know, bridges right into the last conversation. Yeah, I, I don't see why not. Um, mm -hmm. You can. Um, I mean, the short answer is you can, uh, as long as you're not mixing it with one of the restrictions. So if you're, uh, if it's being held by a koala bear, you can't. Uh, uh, to, to, to strike a point home. So, um, yeah, as long as you're in compliance with, with, the, with the act, by not combining that with one of the restrictions, you should be good. Wonderful. Thank you for the definition, as well as the um, very clear example, right? No imagery for that, that potentially could be misconstrued as advertising to children. Right. right. Very important there. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, you know, for that matter, it's not just, uh, you know, we're focusing a lot on kids because that's an easy one to uh, distinguish, but also health benefits. So um, if you're using, uh, you know, a little old lady in a wheelchair uh, holding a cannabis leaf and she's smiling, that wouldn't fly as well. So there are more subtle restrictions. 
because that would convey some sort of health benefit. Gotcha, gotcha. Stefan, anything you wanted to add there? Uh, I could could add, I guess, you know, you could certainly use a leaf in your promotions, but um, you, you could not um, use it in a way that uh, implies like a testimonial or an endorsement. So it, it couldn't be being, being held by a celebrity. You know, you can't have um, LeBron James holding your leaf or, or uh, even Snoop Dogg, even though you know, we're certainly uh, accustomed to seeing those types of images from elsewhere. Yeah. Absolutely. And I think there are some questions here that we are going to be engaging very momentarily that do address, you know, the whole uh, aspect of celebrity as well within the industry. Mm -hmm. What's the difference between providing information and being promotional? Right. So another broad question. Yeah. So providing information, you're focusing more on sort of uh, the factual nature of the product or the service. So I can provide information regarding THC content and strain and sort of the terpene profile. That's fine. Um, promotional is uh, going beyond the fact and it entering into more of a subjective realm. Um, so if you're suddenly uh, promoting the experience of the high um, or uh, promoting, again, harking back to lifestyle and uh, some of these restrictive advertising techniques. That's not factual in nature. I can even mm -hmm. advertise the price at the point of sale. Uh, that's factual. You know, uh, th there's nothing wrong with advertising how much it costs. Uh, it's factual in nature. Um, so, I guess that's sort of the test. Is it objective? If it's objective yeah. and factual, you can advertise it. Is it subjective uh, and not factual? In other words, my perception of the product might differ than your perception of the product and it starts feeling like an opinion, then you're starting to enter into the promotional realm. That's exactly it. Great. Yeah. yeah, things like, um, you know, terpene profiles or, or um, uh, THC content that that's something that can be tested objectively things like you know is it uh, potent or is it um, uh, smooth or is it enjoyable you know those are kinds of subjective and that would be considered um, you know offside wonderful wonderful here's here's a question pertaining to celebrity once again right uh, we were we were chatting about this just uh, moments ago. Can I pay a celebrity or influencer to promote my product? I think that's an easy one for us. It is, yeah. No, the answer is um, no, you cannot. Not not here in Canada. Um, uh, that type of um, uh, testimonial or, or celebrity endorsement is not permitted. Yeah, um, that's, that's right. I mean, it's really black and white. There has been uh, some creative ways around it. For example, mm -hmm. uh, Drake, uh, with his partnership in Canopy uh, Growth, uh, he's now creating a more life growth company. So we've got a sort of an international superstar like Drake, who isn't directly promoting the product or the company, but uh, the association with the company is likely enough to have um, 
sort of that star appeal. And that fault, that's fine. It's actually quite clever uh, because you've got it, you know, in the Financial Post and other newspapers and in online media. Uh, There's quite a lot of uh, talk about Drake's involvement in Canopy and Drake's launching this new, pro uh, this new company called More Life Growth. So it's just by association. Um, I, I suspect you might get more of that. I know Seth Rogen is, is launching uh, his, his product line. So right. you, can, you can advertise by association, but you can't have celebrity like Snoop Dogg going on and on about how great the product is and the high and the experience. That would be offside. Wonderful. And I think, um, gentlemen, this does answer our next one, uh, which, uh, you know, puts puts it pretty plainly there, um, you know, by association, right, as a celebrity uh, that becomes somewhat a byproduct, the, the influence, if you will, becomes a byproduct, right, of that association uh, or partnership. So uh, great question. Um, how does uh, SIGAV verify compliance? Yeah, so this would be... Um... Uh, really on a case-by-case. Case. Um, if uh, a client approaches us and says, you know, this is sort of what we want to do, some sort of promotional activity, uh, we would uh, review it. And uh, if uh, it passes the test, we'd green light it. If it doesn't, we don't just say it won't fly. We look at sort of the mechanic of the activity and we offer suggestions by tweaking the promotion in a manner where it would comply. I mean, some things are just black and white. Like uh, if someone came to me and says, I, I wanna start a loyalty rewards program, I would tell them, you can't do it. Um, it. It just doesn't work. So um, other, uh, other items are much more fluid in nature, which we would uh, work with the client hand in hand in uh, putting together a strategy that that complies with the with with the uh, legislation. Perfect. All right, uh, you guys touched on this uh, in the beginning of our presentation here, but I think it's it's important to go into a little bit more depth because I I feel like the anti-spam law is definitely something that uh, a lot of clients are always concerned with. Right? How, how do I promote? Uh, to my existing customers while remaining compliant. So if we could just take a stab at this one, what is Canada's anti-spam law? Um, you know, maybe with a little bit more definition, I think this will be great. Yeah, so um, <clears throat> Castle regulates a bunch of things. Um, I'll just sort of list them off. Uh, it regulates the sending of commercial electronic messages, the alteration uh, or uh, the, uh, altering the transmission of data. Um, uh, it deals with installation of computer programs, but that's neither here nor there for us. Uh, use of false or misleading representations online in promotion of products or services. Collection of personal information through accessing a computer system and collection of email addresses with the use of computer programs. So that, that's what it regulates, it's fairly broad. For our purposes, what we uh, really are looking at is um, collecting uh, customer email and then uh, sending customers promotional emails or um, communication uh, to, to customers to keep them abreast of, you know, the product that we've got. I, you know, I understand that 
certain edibles are in short supply. Vapes um, hit the shelf and disappear within a day. So um, blasting out a message to your existing client base of uh, a product arriving on the shelf is permissible, but you need consent of the customer uh, prior to being able to include them on an email list. The method of obtaining consent is pretty explicit. Um, they have to opt in, a customer has to opt in into receiving those commercial electronic messages. So they have to uh, provide not implied consent, but express consent to receive those emails. And the way you can do it is at the point of sales terminal, uh, if you have a first time customer, uh, when they're making a payment, uh, you can have them uh, opt in at the time. We've all seen it uh, where you, uh, you check a box on a POS terminal and uh, you uh, enter an email address and that would be sufficient consent to then include them in a newsletter and send out emails. Um, there are some examples of applied consent that I won't get into, but uh, um, generally it's easy enough to get express consent just by asking people for their email address at the, uh, at the point of sale. And then you can add them to your list. That consent is good for a period of two years and then it has to be renewed. You can send um, a customer uh, an email prior to that two-year expiry asking them if they uh, wish to uh, continue receiving uh, those newsletters. Uh, and that email can be sent separately. And if they opt in, then you buy yourself another two years. What's important to be mindful of is um, um, what's important. It, it, there's certain best practices that you should be mindful of. It, one, keep evidence of all expressed consents. So you should have some sort of uh, database uh, confirming that expressed consent has been given. Uh, if you have implied consents, you want to make sure to convert those to express consents. So implied consent would be, um, for example, uh, I reach out to a, um, a store asking for information and that store sends me a newsletter. That would be implied consent. So when I respond to that customer at that time, I would ask them, uh, would you like to be included in our newsletter or promotional weekly mail out? Um, and that would be converting implied consent to express consent. You should also track the expiry of those consents and um, avoid relying on oral consent. So if you've got a customer coming to a store and an associate says, hey, uh, would you like to be updated on product as it arrives the store, yeah, as it arrives in our store and the customer gives verbal consent, yeah, that would be great. You need to train your staff to convert that verbal consent into a written express consent by filling in the, the required form, checking a box, providing an email address, that sort of stuff. Very good explanation there. Thank you so much, Alon, for, for that. And I think this goes back to the earlier conversation we were having surrounding, you know, what to do um, with your customer or what the value of the customer consent can be to your business, right? It is in, in many ways considered equity. 
right, as, as to the value of your business once you do uh, look at potentially even selling it or going through an acquisition. And so ensuring that you do have documentation that states that the, the customer list that you have has consented to communication will certainly ensure that you're carrying forward that equity of your business. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, in, um, if you're looking at acquiring uh, another business uh, in, in the retail space, that would be part of the due diligence. The, the buyer's lawyer would be making sure that you guys are in compliance with that. Would, you know, the buyer's lawyer would make sure that the target or, or the selling business has complied with the privacy legislation and CASA legislation. So it's, it's pretty important to have this stuff in, uh, in check. Absolutely. And, you know, one of the things that we also do for, for our customer, uh, customers, that is, uh, is ensuring that they do acquire, you know, correct consent as well by having proper opt-in procedures in place, as well as carrying forward a documentation that that customer has consented to being communicated um, by your business. So very important. Uh, there. So moving right along here, guys, thank you so much for that explanation. And um, does Castle apply to digital marketing? Yeah, I mean, it, it does. It's actually specifically designed for um, electronic communications. So um, it does. In order for you to uh, directly market to your customers uh, by text message or email, you, you need to get their consent. Wonderful, wonderful. Does Castle apply to text message marketing? So SMS. It certainly uh, does. Absolutely. Yep. Yeah. S simple yes on that one, guys. <laughs> so <laughs> definitely applies to your communication with your customer um, digitally, right? Despite the medium. Mm -hmm. Can we do delivery? So delivery of cannabis in um, in Canada, is that, is that something that's allowed, guys? Um, so in, uh, in British Columbia, that's not allowed. You can only sell cannabis from the retail location. Uh, you know, the pandemic has changed things slightly where the regulators have been a little bit more lenient. Uh, you can do click and collect and curbside pickup. Uh, I understand that Ontario is now um has or or it will be very shortly uh, allowing uh delivery i don't know what that looks like um as i mentioned every province's uh regulation governing retail sales is different uh but i understand that ontario has either now permitted delivery or is um is about to but curbside pickup is available click and collect is available, however you want to call it. But in BC, you, there is no delivery. No, I, I would maybe just add, uh, I'm not sure if this is what was intended by delivery, but the government can deliver by mail in British Columbia, but uh, that wouldn't apply to, to private retailers. Great, great point there, uh, Stefan. Um, very interesting one. I want to field mm -hmm. one of the questions here from um, the audience now, just to take a quick break from the questions that we've had submitted prior. One quick moment here. Um, here's a great question. 
are there any daily consumption limits for recreational and medical? And do they vary by province or some across all or the same across all? So in other words, um, is, is there a daily consumption limit um, for recreational and medical? And is it different from province to province or is it the standard, if you will, across um, the entire country? Yeah, so I can uh, field this one. Um, uh, I guess we should probably distinguish between recreation and, and medical because they're different regimes. But uh, as far as the rec recreational regime goes, uh, there is a Canada-wide Canada um, uh, possession restriction. So, you, you know, I think the question um, said consumption. And I don't know if the consumption is really regulated, but as far as what you can, what you can have with you, um, you're permitted to possess up to 30 grams of dried uh, cannabis or the equivalent in non-dried form, um, uh, whether it's fresh cannabis, uh, liquid product, concentrates, or uh, seeds. And uh, the Cannabis Act um, has uh, kind of an equivalency table that states that one dried gram of cannabis is equivalent to five grams of fresh, 15 grams of edibles, 70 grams of a liquid product, a quarter gram of concentrates, whether solid or liquid, or one cannabis seed. Wow, so they really broke it down <laughs> within yeah. that regulation. That's great to know. It actually makes it pretty pretty easy, right, to follow if if they break it down in, in, in those different uh, it is quite specific. Uh, categories. Yeah. <laughs> Very specific. Um, moving right along here, um, this is another great one. We get this question quite often. Can we offer daily deals or fire sales? <laughs> Yeah, it, it would be wonderful if you could. Uh, and along, correct me if I'm wrong, but I, I don't believe that you can offer any daily deals or fire sales on uh, cannabis or um, uh, related products. Yeah, um, yeah, that's right. I mean, from the BC perspective, uh, you've got minimum uh, pricing regulations. So mm -hmm. um, you, you can't sell below... Um, the liquor distribution branch wholesale price, or the liquor or the uh, the uh, sort of the suggested retail price. Uh, so whichever is lower. Um, in British Columbia, it's liquor distribution branch that governs the sale of uh, of cannabis. Every province uh, has a different governing body. This happens to be ours, so they do set minimum pricing. Uh, in short, what it means is uh, you can only go as low as your wholesale cost. That's it. So there's no fire sales. Gotcha. So keep that in mind um, to the audience here, right? No fire sales out there. Uh, can't move a massive amount of products uh, in that fashion. Not allowed. Uh, keep that in mind as you, uh, you know, create your strategy, right, for your business. Can we advertise our deals on social media? So if by deals you mean pricing, the answer is no. We've already covered that. You can't advertise yep. discounts or blowouts or fire sales. Uh, but you can advertise your brand on social media. Um, so if you've got a one store or a chain of stores, you can advertise. Um, as long as it, the advertising is in compliance with the Cannabis Act. 
There you go. And that was also one of the questions from uh, one of our attendees here today in terms of uh, being able to advertise your business on social media. So, so as long as you are within compliance, right, uh, no promotions as in discounts or your pricing uh, on social media, remain compliant uh, when um, advertising your business, if you will, on social media is, is the answer. That's right. Yeah, that's right. Um, which is pretty powerful advertising. I mean, building brand awareness uh, is really strong and you don't need to do that by, you know, just advertising your price. For that matter, uh, you look at a lot of the established um, successful companies, they don't even advertise their product anymore. Everybody knows what the Nike swoosh means. So um, if you create a really engaging uh, logo and a brand name, and a brand presence uh, to the point where you, all it takes for you is to constantly put that brand presence in the public's eye. Uh, that's pretty powerful stuff. Wonderful, wonderful. Can we offer an incentive to capture customer information? So I think this goes back to uh, Castle, right? Um, the idea of being able to receive consent from the customer and um, incentivizing them in some way so that you can retain more customer information, if you will, and grow that business presence? Well, um, you know, this is a good question, actually. I think it's sort of nuanced. So you can't hand out um, product or a discount uh, in exchange for um, getting their email address and their consent. Uh, but what you can do is uh, provide them with uh, other incentive. If you're on our email list, you will be notified as soon as we receive a certain product that you like, or uh, we'll update you with new product as it arrives from time to time, um, which is an incentive in that, you know, I'm first to know when product hits the shelf, but uh, you can't, you can't, there's no trading, right? I can't give you, you know, a 10% discount on your next purchase or a t-shirt or anything like that. That's exactly it. Yeah. So you cannot, cannot do that. Wonderful. Great, great answer there. Thank you so much for clarifying that. Certainly uh, some nuances there, right, um, that you want to abide by. And once again, if you have questions in particular surrounding how to attract customers and remain compliant, right? I certainly encourage you to reach out to the SUGAV group, get those, um, those uh, fine lines, if you will, defined for you so that you can go out there and capture more customers uh, in a compliant manner and avoid potential challenges there. Mm -hmm. So how do we compliantly capture customer information, name, phone number, and email? I think we just addressed this one here, right? So you definitely want to follow the regulations. Uh, once again, if you have a specific idea in mind on how you want to promote that business or how you want to entice that prospective customer, right? Um, certainly, um, you know, reach out to us, reach out to Sagap Group. We'll certainly help you navigate those waters. How do we ensure our website is compliant with the Cannabis Act? What pages and pop-ups are needed? This is a pretty good one. Yeah, um, you know, for starters, um, you need the age verification tool before you access the website. 
Uh, once someone confirms that they're over the age of majority and they click on it, you enter into the website. And then uh, the, same thing, uh, the same thing applies with respect to marketing um, uh, on the website as it does to promoting your product outside the website. So same idea. I, when I log on to a website, I, I can't see uh, any um, advertising that would make me think there's a health benefit, a lifestyle benefit, or anything like that. I can advertise pricing. It's factual in nature. I can advertise product, strain, terpene profile, all that sort of stuff. Um, uh, it, it seems pretty bland, but uh, it doesn't have to be. Um, you can use imagery from your store, imagery of the product. Uh, you know, beautiful photography still is very engaging. Uh, in terms of uh, testimonials, you can include um, uh, client reviews as long as those reviews have not been paid for. So if you have a sort of a forum uh, on the website and that content is produced by customers and that content has not been paid for, uh, you can include that on your website. Wonderful, wonderful. Um, I, I do have a question here from the audience that uh, takes us uh, a little bit backwards uh, in some of the questions that we had earlier, but I think it's, it is important. Um, and it's pertaining to that, that whole pricing conversation, gentlemen, that we were having a little earlier. Um, you know, we did define that um, discounting or, or uh, it, it's obviously a fine line right you cannot you cannot sell below wholesale costs but one of the questions we received here is percentage can you advertise like percentage discounts on your products yeah you you can do that in the store right so at, at um at the point of sale you can advertise uh you can't advertise it outside of the store so there there is that distinction that's a good question actually and it's that's a uh, great question it's a distinction that needs to be drawn. So when I'm in the store, I can show product is discounted as long as I'm in compliance with the pricing regulation. And it should also be noted, the pricing regulation that I'm referring to is the British Columbia regulation, and that might differ province to province. There you go. If you need some further definition on that, this is a great one to engage the SAGAV group, right, and or foot traffic so we can uh, help you define those perimeters for how, how do you engage the customer with discounts, right? That is a that is a really good one and create that differentiation there. So thank you so much, gentlemen, for, for um, covering that one again. Uh, well, I think we answered this question here, right? Can we can a website be deemed a non-compliant? And I think the answer is resounding yes. <laughs> there are many different ways you can make your website non-compliant, and I think we already addressed this. So be mindful of how you promote right the product, um, the imagery you use to ensure that you are not breaching some of those compliance issues, right? Um, whether that is a lifestyle, um, the actual product health benefits, things of that nature to ensure that you're not compliant. And then also, once again, right, engage the GAV group. If you want to really have a fine-tuned website that, one, speaks the message, the brand that you want, but remain compliant so you can avoid some challenges there down the line. 
is SEO a compliance strategy and why? So search engine optimization, right? The ability to um, create uh, more authority within the web world, if you will, for your uh, website uh, through the means of search engine uh, search. Uh, is that something that is compliant? And if so, um, how do you ensure that, that that strategy is is compliant? I think this is a little bit of a challenging question, right? Because um, website SEO is, is a combination of many different things. Uh, do you guys have a, an easy answer for this one? Yeah, I think there is a, a fairly easy answer, and that is that search engine optimi optimization is compliant, um, so long as the, the way that you're optimizing is otherwise compliant. So um, say you, you're providing information on your website, um, you know, you're, you're building the content so that uh, search engines um, index it more effectively and that your your website floats to the top of, of different searches for different um, content, uh, then yes, that's absolutely a, a fantastic way to, to advertise and to remain compliant. Um, so you want to make sure that you your copywriting has, you know, all of the keywords that people are looking for, um, you know, the information that they're that they're searching for and and um, uh, that's a, a fantastic way to to promote your business and to comply with the regulations at the same time. Wonderful, wonderful. Thank you for answering that one. So SEO, yes, allowed. It can increase your overall traffic to your website, the authority of your website, but remain compliant in doing so, right? Mm -hmm. Take the proper steps to ensure that the content you're generating is compliant. And then uh, can we display our menu online and accept pre-orders? Uh, yeah, you, you, you can. So if I log on to the website, uh, you can display the product and, and, uh, that, that you currently have, uh, you can, uh, again, show uh, product information, pricing, uh, can you accept pre-orders? Uh, you can, uh, provided that, um, the, um, uh, provided that you comply with the ID requirements and uh, uh, point of sale payment requirements. And it differs province to province. In British Columbia, for example, I can complete an order online, but ultimately payment has to be made in store and the ID verification has to be made at the point of sale. So, um, and, and that, um, that will differ province to province. Mm -hmm. mm. Interesting one there for sure, right? Um, especially since BC allowed the pre-ordering recently since the coronavirus um, uh, crisis that we're experiencing, uh, certainly important. Right, right. And, you know, and I expect um, as uh, the industry starts maturing and, they, and, and the regulators understand what works and what doesn't, um, we're going to see changes in the regulation and how these businesses operate. Absolutely. And this is interesting too, uh, gentlemen, because, you know, there is the ability obviously to um, uh, share with the customer specific discounting on a product in store, but what if they're online store, right? Is, is that something that they can do there as well? Um, yeah, that's a good question, actually. Um, yeah, Stefan, do you have any thoughts on that? 
Uh, that is a good question. Yeah, yeah. I, I don't see why not. Um, yeah, I, I mean, you're, you're certainly permitted to provide information about the price at the time uh, uh, people are 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 paying. Uh, and if there is a, a means for them to pre-order online, then I don't see why the, the price couldn't be conveyed. Yeah, I, I, I would tend to agree with that. Um, I think, you know, once I'm on, on the website or on the online store, I think that's acceptable. Um, I think it would be unacceptable to blast out sales outside of that, um, outside of that marketplace. Yeah, where you're actually placing the order. Yeah. Yeah, and you know, this goes back to yet a few other questions that have been asked here by our, our audience members throughout the uh, webinar today about taking credit card payment, right? Is credit card payment allowed um, within uh, Canada or is it province to province uh, regulated? Yeah, credit card payment is allowed. Um, there's been lots of discussion on credit card payments. Um, and the reason for, I'll use the word controversy relating to credit card payments, it has to do with uh, the credit card companies are owned by, uh, they're American owned. Um, it, cannabis, uh, recreational cannabis is not uh, federally uh, lawful in the US. Um, there was lots of concern that, that credit card transaction information would be available to US federal authorities. And if I'm crossing the border to the States uh, as a customer of uh, a, a regulated lawful uh, dispensary here, uh, I'm crossing down in the States, federal authorities might have access to my information and I might have issues. So there's some controversy arising out of that. Um, I have never heard of a firsthand account of someone being stopped because they used a Visa or MasterCard up here. Um, but uh, that was some talk that was prevalent about, you know, six, seven months ago. I haven't heard that since. Um, having said that though, uh, a large percentage of uh, purchases are still done in cash, which is uh, mm. not, the, not the norm compared to other industries. Maybe it comes from this paranoia. I don't know. I suspect it does. <laughs> Very common, right? Um, you know, you hear all the stories of uh, industry um, dispensary owners, um, you know, and their cash flow. <laughs> so yeah. I think we have time for one more question, and then we're going to be summarizing our webinar here today by providing some uh, takeaways. So what are the requirements to accept online pre-orders? I think we've already established this one, so we'll move forward to a next one. Can we accept payments online? The answer to this question is no. It has to be done at the POS locally. Um, and correct me here if I'm if I'm wrong. Right, that that was the um, again that, the that would so that's correct for British Columbia, but that may differ province to province. Okay, there you go. So it may differ okay. province to province. So British Columbia, um, that is correct. You cannot, but uh, in other locations that could be different. So keep yeah. that in mind. Uh, can we advertise using Google Ads? Yeah, you can. Uh, really similar to our discussion on SEO. Uh, as long as it's compliant with the Cannabis Act, uh, you can. Um, if your advertising uh, uh, is in contravention of the Act, then you can't. Um, 
So it's not so much uh, the medium, it's the message. Wonderful. So there it is. You can, right? It is the message. So keep that in mind. And that is uh, absolutely an area of expertise here with foot traffic. Um, just to highlight, we, foot traffic has been successfully hosting Google advertisement within the cannabis industry, both in the United States as well as in Canada for the last four and a half years going on five years, um, you know, varying obviously from state to state, depending on the regulation, both in the U.S. and, and Canada, but certainly um, one of the expertise that we bring to the table is, is how to actually advertise online to get you the presence and attention you need from your customers while remaining compliant. And uh, with that, I, I do want to share a quick takeaway. Um, I want to thank uh, the team here, Alon and Stefan for joining us today. So graciously providing us so much information, right? And I wanna just highlight uh, one of the ways that you can get in touch with the team is uh, either phone number, email, or navigating to their website. But I wanna turn it back over to Sagaf and uh, Alan and, and Stefan here for any closing remarks. But I wanna thank you for, for your time today. Um, yeah, thanks, uh, uh, thanks Eduardo. Um, I guess sort of the, the, the big picture here is um, we're in a really new industry here. And uh, because of that, we, we're still uh, working in an environment that doesn't have a lot of direction. So we don't know yet how the legislation has been interpreted. We don't know how it's been enforced, um, which is um, exciting in that we're, you know, first in this market, but at the same time, it does create some challenges. Uh, what it means is uh, you've got to be really mindful of the legislation, know what you can and can't do, and uh, take a creative approach um, to uh, carrying on business, but at the same time, uh, being, um, uh, being compliant. And as the industry matures, we're more than likely to see how this legislation has been interpreted and enforced. And uh, we will then have greater guidance. But until then, uh, it really is helpful to make sure that the I's are dotted and the T's are crossed. Wonderful, wonderful. Thank you, team, once again, for taking the time and sharing some valuable insight with our audience here today. Uh, for those of you who are still on the line with us uh, and have attended here today, uh, this uh, webinar is going to be provided also via our website. So feel free to navigate to foottraffic.co forward slash webinars if you want to review some of these questions and answers here. Uh, and uh, share this information also with anybody else within the industry that you feel could benefit from it, please feel free to share that link uh, by navigating there. We'll also follow up with some additional information via email for those ha that have registered. But thank you once again, um, Alon uh, and Stefan for your time. And um, feel free once again, uh, everyone on the line, foottraffic.co, co forward slash webinars, and uh, we look forward to the opportunity to speaking to you again. Have a great rest of your day. Thanks, Eduardo. Thank you.